Welcome to episode 197. My name's Tim Nagel. I'm the manager of Workplace Relations Services here at VHIA, and I'm joined by Alexandra Rosso. Welcome, Lexi. Hi, Tim. Thanks for thanks for having me. Now, I understand that you have a clue for me for today's uh, podcast. I do. I have a picture here uh, of a very well-known TV show. Can you tell me what you think this means? Well, I know that uh, I know that that fellow's off uh, Friends. Yep. Uh, and uh, he's wearing lots of layers of clothes. Yep. So clearly today's uh, session is on clothing allowance. Ah, very very close, or not really. Uh, today's topic is actually all about coverage, which Joey here has plenty of. We're going to talk about the coverage arbitration outcome. Um, that has recently been handed down by the Fair Work Commission. Excellent. Uh, so as we've just mentioned, we're going to talk about the recent full bench decision con concerning the coverage of the nurses and mental health EBAs. Um, Tim, firstly, do you want to tell us what the issue is and what the background of this dispute is? Well, there's been a number of coverage disputes over a long period regarding the mental health exclusion that exists in both the Nurses and Midwives Agreement and also the Mental Health Agreement. And what is the mental health exclusion? So the nurses agreement states that it applies in part to registered nurses and enrolled nurses, other than someone who is employed solely or predominantly in the provision of public mental health services. And that term excluding employees employed solely or predominantly in the provision of public mental health service is the current coverage of the nurses agreement? Uh, yes, that's correct. From time to time, there have been disputes uh, about how that exclusion applies in areas such as aged persons' mental health, a dual diagnosis, and most recently, emergency department mental health and alcohol and other drug hubs. So resolution of these disputes usually occur through some kind of intervention uh, without settling the central question about how the exclusion technically applied. So what's the problem with having those disputes resolved through discussion with the unions? Well, so what generally happened is that uh, they were resolved either through direct discussions between the unions that determined coverage or alternatively some intervention from the Department of Health. So those those outcomes did not rely on a strict legal analysis of the agreements, but occurred on a case by case basis. And the problem with that for employers were that they were unable to predict the outcomes of coverage disputes or confidently challenge outcomes through the exercise of their industrial rights. And what has prompted this specific dispute? Well, during nurses and midwives bargaining, the parties sought to clarify the operation of the current exclusion by proposing the definition of public mental health services. Uh, so they sought to amend the existing words to provide more clarity. You can see on the screen there what those proposed words were. So in this agreement, employed solely or predominantly in the provision of public mental health services, refers to the service, department, unit or program of the employer rather than the duties of the individual employee. And it provided an example as well in the examples on screen where it said a registered or enrolled nurse who works in an ED hub in an emergency department providing treatment for people that present with mental health and alcohol and other drug issues is covered by this agreement given the work of the relevant department as a whole. So that was provided to provide to try and provide clarity uh, to the ongoing disputes 
And we've got to remember as well, it occurred in the context of those hubs, but it really didn't necessarily turn on the hubs. The underpinning issue or the dispute was about how that coverage and particularly those words about solely or predominantly employed in the provision of mental health services actually operated. And so this specific clarification gave rise to a dispute, did it? Yes, and in terms of that dispute, it's best described as a dispute about how to apply the existing mental health exemption. So not about the hubs, just about how to provide, how to apply that exemption. Specifically, whether the test should be a duties-based test or an organisational best test as set out in the clarification we just spoke out above. And so it becomes apparent here then that there's a difference on views on how to apply the mental health exclusion. What happens next? Yeah, so just in terms of that, uh, there were two approaches that you could take about how to apply that exclusion. You could talk about the provision of mental health services at the departmental level, so what the department does, or alternatively you could, and that's the organisational test, or alternatively you could apply that test at the individual level, which is a duties-based test. So there were two alternative ways to apply that test, and they were contested between the parties. So in terms of um, what happened next, uh, to resolve it, the parties being the ANMF, VHI, and also the Health Services Union, they agreed to seek a decision from the full bench of the Fair Work Commission. The parties agreed that once this decision was handed down, it would not be appealed through any mechanism. So it was to finalise the dispute. And really, it was a choice between that organisational test that we just talked about or a, um, a duties-based test. And what was the Fair Work Commission asked to look at? So they were asked two questions. So it's um, specifically, and you can see them on screen at the moment, they were asked, is the proposed definition of coverage of the replacement nurses agreement having regard to the matters in paragraph nine of the arbitration agreement appropriate? The second question they were asked, is the proposed definition of coverage in the replacement mental health agreement appropriate having regard to the matters in paragraph nine of the arbitration agreement? And what considerations were the Fair Work Commission asked to give to the questions? Yeah, so to assist the Commission, um, assist the parties, they were given a range of considerations that they should have regard to when deciding the answers to those two questions. And they were as follows. I think you can see them on your screen at the moment. So the first consideration was whether the employees proposed to be covered by each of the replacement agreements are fairly chosen with the meaning of fairly chosen, as referred to in Section 1863A of the Fair Work Act. So we know that uh, there is a history of how groups of employees within an enterprise are clustered into enterprise agreements. So it was important to have those considerations as part of the considerations from the Commission. The second thing, or cons second consideration was whether the proposed coverage in each of the replacement agreements will promote the fair and efficient conduct of bargaining in relation to each of the replacement agreements. The third consideration was in relation to each of the replacement agreements, the interest of the employers and the employees proposed to be covered by the replacement agreement. And just to that point, it was the position of BHA that the key consideration in that in that area was certainty for employers. So where whilst currently there was a lack of certainty, the real benefit to employers through the dispute mechanism was to create certainty. And number four is the existing coverage of the nurses agreement and the mental health agreement. So how did that exclusion operate? And fifth, in relation to each of the replacement agreements, the history of applicable industrial instruments, which is a segue into four. It's the sixth 
consideration was the desirability that the coverage of the respective replacement agreements be mutually exclusive. And that's a really important point, is that how they should operate is that an employee should be either covered by one or the other agreement, but never both. So that was a key consideration put to the Commission. And of course, to give the Commission flexibility to uh, manage the issue as they saw fit, any matters that the Commission deemed relevant was the final consideration that they had. So I just want to pick up on and highlight that point about the existing coverage of the agreements. That is the status quo. So what was the outcome of the decision? So having regard to these factors or the considerations and others, the Commission was satisfied that the coverage is determined on the basis of an organisational test rather than a duties test. So they answered yes to both those questions put to them. And really, they accepted the arguments of the VHIA throughout that arbitration process. And so what does that mean, organisational test versus duties-based test? So again, put it put simply, where an employer is covered by both the nurses and midwives and the mental health agreement, those services that are organised through the mental health service will be covered by the mental health agreement. Those that are not fall under the nurses and midwives agreement. And really, the how you do that is that you identify within the organisational chart that person who's responsible for the mental health service. Everyone that operational reports to them that is has a classification within the mental health agreement is covered by the mental health agreement. Everyone who doesn't is not covered by the mental health agreement. And there, it's important just to highlight that there is a proviso in there that they need to have a classification within the agreement. We know that even though mental health programs have uh, medical staff employed within the service, they fall under the mental health uh, under the doctor's agreement. So there is that slight exception to that rule. So maybe we could look at things through a practical example. Let's have a look at the organisational chart on screen. What can you tell us about that? Uh, what we have on screen uh, is an example uh, chart, organisational chart. As you can see, we have highlighted some of the the boxes. What we might do is look at your organisational chart and identify the person responsible for the mental health program within the health service. So again, that's the first step. So in this chart, uh, you can see on screen, we have identified the person responsible in dark blue. So they sit uh, under the chief operating office uh, in that lighter blue on the left bottom corner. Looking at the chart, we can therefore see that all the nurses whose operational reporting line ends in that person is covered by the mental health agreement assuming there's applicable classifications, but we know that within nursing there are. So in that example, everyone in mental health would be covered by the mental health agreement. Does that mean that the outcome could be different if mental health was organised differently or, or a unit was organised differently? Yes, and, and the hubs uh, are an example of that, where that if they were, uh, if they operationally reported to the, through the mental health program, they would be covered by the mental health agreement. If they are organised in such a way where they operationally reported through the emergency department, for instance, then they would be covered by the nurses and midwives agreement. So let's get another organisational chart on screen as an example. What can you tell me is the difference between the last one that we looked at and this one? Yeah, so this is an example of that distinction that I just made before. So within, within this example, and we're just really talking about the emergency department, mental health, drug, or alcohol and other drug uh, hubs. In this example, they're organised uh, not under the mental health agreement, but operational reporting to through to the executive director of nursing services. So in this example, they would be covered by the general nurses and midwives agreement. 
Thanks, Tim. I think this really provides a clear overview of the decision and the impact of the decision. Uh, no worries, Lexi. Uh, and just so members know, this is also outlined in a bulletin that we will distribute shortly. And there's also a presentation that we presented to members that will be located within the implementation material on our website um, under mental health. Um, I'm also mindful that one of the tasks coming up is the redistribution of the NERRs, that is the Notice of Employee Representational Rights. Yeah, so correct. In terms of the Nurses and Midwives Agreement, the NERRs should be distributed in accordance with this decision. Uh, that is how these services are operationally organised. That will only make a difference for those people who have both uh, are covered both by the Nurses and Midwives Agreement and also the Mental Health Agreement. For those people just covered by the Nurses and Midwives Agreement, there'll be no change. So if a service is organised through the Mental Health Program, those nurses will receive a NERF for mental health? That's right. And it's operational reporting line, that's correct. And if the service is operationally reporting through to nursing, they'll be provided with the nurses' NERF? Outside the Mental Health Program, that's right. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Tim. Thank you, Lexi.